This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. All right, welcome back, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Daniel Porter. And we just wanted to thank you, first off, uh, for all of the feedback that we've received, the questions that we've gotten. Hopefully, you guys are learning something. And uh, we are, are the reason why we choose some of these topics are basically, you know, some of the questions that come in. And so keep them coming. Um, today, we've got something that's a little interesting. This is kind of the future of where medicine seems to be going. We see it in radiology reads. We see it, uh, you know, all different aspects of, uh, of our lives. And that is artificial intelligence in aesthetics. Um, you know, it really started, I would say, you know, I think this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart because I, I really enjoy blending art and science and so this is something that can be extremely interesting but where does it end and so the real question you know we've started with virtual uh, type of medicine and that's where I think that has been uh, in the form of the Vectra 3D imaging platform has been one of the biggest uh, advances in uh, you know uh, instructing educating and um, patients and even booking cases because I think long gone are the days where we just say hey trust me everything's gonna look good and this is where perceptions have changed and I think now to be able to visualize certain things I use it for rhinoplasty you use it for breast augmentation and breast work um, we can use it for liposuction and all kinds of different things. But really, the, the idea is using technology in medicine. So virtual, you know, I'll get your take on it. But for me, I think it's, you know, one of the things that has elevated our ability to educate a patient on what to expect. Absolutely. And there's, there's a lot of pros and cons for this. And that's what we're going to go over today on this podcast, how we can use artificial intelligence um, to benefit and to progress uh, aesthetic plastic surgery and reconstructive plastic surgery. And in the dermatology world, I think it is going to have a place that's going to be unparalleled. Um, because think about, it's very interesting, if you can take pictures of someone's whole body, do a full body scan, and then have them come back every year to make sure that they're moles aren't changing. If you have a pre-existent history for melanoma or basal cell carcinoma or squamous cell carcinoma, this is incredible because 
Yes, we're all humans and we can miss things. So outside of aesthetic medicine, I think AI for radiology and, and for other things, it's going to have such an incredible impact that we're, it's going to be almost it's impossible to miss certain skin cancers or certain diagnoses. Um, but I do think for, for aesthetic medicine, I think that there are pros and cons. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we should talk about today uh, because using AI could be amazing. But the one thing we always talk about here is we want to make you the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. Yeah, listen, I think we've been trying to use do this for uh, decades. Uh, you know, when it, you put the top chess players up against the computer and the idea is, you know, who's going to ultimately prevail. Um, we use AI, you know, artificial intelligence in just about every aspect of life now. I mean... Um, I'm now we're looking at writers, uh, going onto an AI platform that will help them uh, get beyond the writer's block and write for them. Um, we've got AI in artistry, which, uh, ultimately mm-hmm. there is a platform now where you can use it and it will create art for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I think the idea is, uh, you know, when you come, when you use the human mind, which again, we, you know, we've got trillions of synapses uh, that are happening. I, I think um, there's something to be said about the the human mind and how we can circumnavigate our way around a particular problem. And so, um, in aesthetics, so I get the concept. Let's say. The one thing that I think that artificial intelligence in aesthetics will do is it will bring all of the, uh, I would say, the inexperienced injectors, operators, whatever it is, up to a certain level because they don't have to think. Sure. The computer just tells them this is probably uh, the you know the likely probability that this will be, lead to a good outcome is this. I mean, yeah. So, like think about what you're saying. Take a picture of my face animating and say where should i put botox sure simple this is the simplest application of ai Mm -hmm. but if it shows you points where you can get the best take or best uh results of botox well like you're right anyone who starts out any nurse injector anyone who doesn't have any experience is immediately their experience is pulled up to a level platform in a sense Mm -hmm. um because they're teaching them exactly what to do sure I think, you know, the interesting part, Leonardo da Vinci always, uh, you know, came up with the golden ratio. And that was the 1, 1 to 1.6.18. And the idea was that there were certain aspects in architecture and, in, and essentially in, in aesthetics where the closer you are to that golden ratio, the more aesthetically pleasing you will be or the more perfect a... Uh, the architectural uh, building will be just because, um, you know, it meets that golden ratio. Um, when it comes to the face, so I, I, I'm sure uh, those of listeners out there have seen this particular app where they take, you know, uh, a thousand male faces and they take a thousand female faces and then they blend them all together using uh, technology. And the idea is it comes out to be you know, almost an androgynous sort of uh, look. Um, kind of like the predicament we have with with 
with different types of filters. It's mm. kind of the same thing, right? Yes. Um, people that make filters, they all look, everyone looks the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, like you're saying, when you blend it all together, we're not, this the AI is great, but we're not trying to make everyone blend in to be exactly the same. I can't necessarily look like you, and you can't necessarily look like your wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, it, you don't want it to be that way. Yep. Although it is, it's, it's kind of taking that turn. Yeah, I, listen, I think it's very interesting. You know, one, I should preface it by saying that aesthetics has changed throughout centuries mm-hmm. on what we thought was aesthetically pleasing, you know, from the 1200s on um, has changed. You know, it used to be that being, uh, you know, full obese, you know, bigger, fuller faces was attractive because it meant that you were wealthier. Mm-hmm. It meant that you had the reserves and the food and those who were skinny and, um, you know, and, and waif-like uh, were poor. And obviously that changed. And I know that, uh, you know, we went through the Kate Moss era where all of a sudden it was that you know, waif sort of look. And now we're coming back to curves. You know, it, essentially what I'm trying to say is that as time progresses, our view of aesthetics changes. And I don't know that the necessarily the uh, the golden ratio meets up every every single time. My, my thought process, if the golden ratio made sense on everyone, then we wouldn't have filters that give us the Bambi sort of look with the overly large eyes and you know the accentuated cant to the eye to make it look a little more exotic. That is not a typical golden ratio. Um, you know, I think the idea behind AI it would be amazing if the computer program could say, "All right." How can we improve someone's face to make them more uh, symmetric? Now, that symmetry equals aesthetics in most situations. So the idea is, you know, you take a picture of someone's face. Let's say we've got thousands of MRIs that show as you progressively age, um, you know, what happens to the face, where volume could be placed, you know, what needs to be tightened, things like that. But I think in the true artist, um, you know, there is a vision of, you know, accentuating certain features that don't necessarily fall under, you know, a, an, an AI generated image. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, and it's just like saying, if you see five different women and they are all ethnically, let's say exactly the same, you're not going to have the same plan for each one of their noses if you're doing rhinoplasties on them. Interesting part is, and and I think if you really break down AI, it can be used in a variety of ways. And we're going to, again, today's more about aesthetic medicine. We can get into how AI can teach residents on how to put nerves together. I mean, it can, we can, we can go over how AI can teach people um, medicine in a whole different way, but that's a whole different discussion. And we can talk about that later. But when you think about it as, as how we're going to use it, Initially, when someone comes in for preoperative evaluation and what Dr. Lakey just talked about, it's probably, in my opinion, that's when we can use it the best because we're using artificial intelligence to show somebody what is possible and have them take a look at it and be like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't like that. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. And in simple standards is, hey, someone's coming in for breast augmentation. They don't know what size they want to be. And you can actually show them 
That's amazing. That's something that was never there 15 years sure. ago. Or their nose or their face or showing how taking volumes from one area and putting it in a different area, what it can really lead to. And it really will will change patient outcomes significantly. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to understand a human is still doing it. So are there going to be certain drawbacks or limitations to get you that exact, exact uh, outcome? A little I mean, we show through some of your splints, your nasal splints, that you're actually creating a nose that's almost exactly like you're telling someone. So it's pretty close to getting as close to the computer simulation as possible. Mm-hmm. The thing I think that's the downs the, the downside is when people come in and they bring you a picture and they say, I want to look like this. And sometimes that's where I think using computers to help us really simulate it can be in a way, the downfall of the uniqueness of how an artist really performs and how, as a plastic surgeon, each plastic surgeon is a little different because of the way that they look at someone. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't like that, then we'd be completely just unnecessary in this world. <laughs> Computers would do everything, right? Well, you know, that's the funny part is, is it's easy, I guess, to create an AI-generated image, um, but a human's doing the operation. And so at this point, I don't feel, you know, until that happens, um, which, you know, I'm sure it eventually will, but until that happens where a computer is, or, you know, some robotic assisted device is actually performing the procedure, um, there are nuances to each of our techniques. And, and so you can have the argument that in some fields of medicine, it, the computer may be better. Sure. You can make this argument and say, if I have certain let's say i have certain symptoms i don't feel well and it's very vague and i've gone to 50 different doctors and no one can figure it out it's very possible that you can just put in all your symptoms and a computer can tell you what's wrong with you a lot better than a human it's a sad case in the sense that diagnosticians are going to be obsolete over time um and it, this this also goes for, for radiologists. The radiologist, and the way AI works, just so you can understand, it's all bi- most of it is built on algorithms mm-hmm. and information that's already been put into a database. So imagine whatever a human learns, that's all they know, right? So that's you come to me and, and you have all these different symptoms. I go over it in my head of everything I've learned, and then I come up with a diagnosis. Well, it's exactly the same for, for a computer. Mm-hmm. Computer learns a bunch of stuff, and then it just can basically give you what you or, or, or diagnose you from what they have available. Mm-hmm. If the algorithm is a little off, well, it can be a little off. So there's a limitation. But for radiology, if you just put in all the images, millions and billions of images of pathology or, or pathologic things that happen in a, in a CAT scan or an MRI or, or an X-ray, well, the computer can figure it out much better than any human can because a human can miss it. So unfortunately, in a sense, just diagnostic radiologists may be obsolete over time mm-hmm. because it's going to be cheaper, it's going to be faster, and unfortunately for the human race, it's going to be more accurate. And I don't think you can make an argument for that over time. What we do is a little different. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after this break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think, you know, again, I always, it's so funny because when I see patients for consultation, I'll say, listen, I always recommend you meet with multiple surgeons because A, you want to feel comfortable with your surgeon because you're going to be friends for a long time. But B, it's because you want to make that sure that my aesthetic matches yours. And so each one of us has our own aesthetic. I will tell you that around Beverly Hills, I can take a look at some noses and know exactly who did the operation because they do the same thing every single time. Um, Not everybody, obviously, but um, there are certain surgeons that will do the same nose every single time. And so you can essentially know who did it. And some people like that. Um, You know, I would say sometimes it's a little you know, more of my aesthetic to match it to that particular face. Now, if I had a computer generated image that said, look, this is, and you have to understand when I'm doing a 3d simulation, I'm creating that simulation. So it's what looks good to me. Um, and you could go to 10 different surgeons and they could create 10 different simulations. That's why sometimes people will come in with a simulation from someone else and say, Hey, I like yours better. Or listen, I like this one better. Can we do something closer to that? Um, it's because each one of us has a slightly different aesthetic. Now, do you think over time there's going to be, you you take the picture of the patient and then the computer is going to be like, this is the best nose. This is what you should do. Well, I do think that it may be headed in that direction. I and think that's where, put I in, think where we're going to run into some problems. Yeah, I think, you know, here's the thing. I, I think that... Um, in, especially in certain noses uh, with very thick, you know, there's so many different variables. Let's say you have really thick skin or it's a very large nose. You come in with a computer-generated image that looks like, you know, Megan Fox. Uh, you can give me that picture all day long, but it's not happening. I mean, I, it, it's just you not. You took it right out of my mouth. You know, it's not happening in anyone's hands just because there are so many different variables that we cannot change. And that's what the computer doesn't quite understand yet mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. will probably over time but the limitations as to what you know it's easy to plug in a bunch of stuff and then have it come out but how somebody heals the way the cartilage goes how thick the skin is all these things over time i think they will be variables that are going to be put into ai so ai can understand that but i think again it's a little early for them to understand all of those things so i think in aesthetic medicine i think we still are the gatekeepers in a lot of ways in the sense that i don't think ai can take over what we do however in some surgical fields even you've got robots that do the operation or help with the operation can't really have that in our world right because again there's an artistry associated with what we do that a robot necessarily can't do yet it may in the future but it cannot do yet so when we think about using ai there's from the preoperative planning to then the diagnostics 
than the actual treatment. And then there's the post-op care. And again, it some of this artificial intelligence or computer learning can teach us things far beyond our experience because it can take hundreds of thousands and millions of cases and put them together and say, hey, putting this bandage on there is not a good idea or using this suture in here is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Things that we anecdotally will talk to each other about, but there's not that much data. This can completely revolutionize outcomes that can be really, really beneficial for patients. So that, that's something I think where it can, AI can be incredible. And we use, again, we've been using this type of somewhat type of uh, technology for a long time, but I don't think it's ever been this good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one thing where, uh, you know, again, let's say I even took, uh, you know, a patient came in and I said, give me a photo of yourself from 20 years ago. And then we compare it to what they had now. And then you plug it into a machine and say, okay, what can I do to get closer to this? The difference is in that 20 years, you've already lost 20% of collagen. So it's, you know, I can fill you up in the areas that the computer is, is telling me to, but it doesn't mean that you're going to react the same way. And who knows if the filler stays in that spot, if it migrates, you know, there are all kinds of different things that can happen. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to see where some of this technology will go on one hand, because think of how easy it will be if you had a picture of someone animating and it said, all right, you need... 42 units of Botox that need to go in this, 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 the area, um, you know, you would, you'd be done in a minute because you know exactly where to do it. You'd ha probably have less complications that may occur, you know, dropping a lid or a brow or, you know, uh, leaving some residual. The hope is that you would, uh, you know, reduce some of the, the minor complications that can occur. Um, I just don't think that this will necessarily translate as we age just because tissue quality is different. And so, and each for each person too, yeah. that's the key. It's like, yeah. we're not all just robots. We're mm -hmm. all so different, ethnically diverse. Everyone from different areas heals differently. Their skin kind of ages differently. There's so many factors. Mm -hmm. I mean, just simply think about hair loss. Forget about anything else. You can have men that are the exact same age, four from different parts of the world, from different backgrounds. One can have male pattern baldness, one have thick hair, the other one can have random alopecia. And, it, and these are things that, again, they can't all be treated the same way. So that's why you haven't, you run into problems. And again, the big obstacle with AI is this. Remember, again, it's the information that you put in is that's what they're analyzing. So if, for example, the artificial intelligence only has the, the, you know, the golden rule uh, for, for facial analysis, well, every single person's face is going to be analyzed based on that. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, everyone's going to try to make everyone look that perfect look. And I think, to me, that's the problem where AI and aesthetic medicine, I don't think, work very well. Because the whole point is we don't want to make everyone look exactly the same. Even though that's been the new norm lately, everyone's kind of had the same type of surgeries, whether it's a BBL or a lateral brow or the fox eye. or it's We're not supposed to be all looking exactly the same. And some people need different things. So I think mm -hmm. when you take like a picture of your face and you plug it into AI and say, what does this need? It's will probably say the same things as the next person to the next person because they're all trying to reach the exact same goal. And I think to make it perfect, it should be really 
customized and specialized for each individual person somehow. Yeah. And I think right now that's where the surgeon comes into play or the, the, you know, the provider, just because, um, you know, some people, you know, you had mentioned the fox eye. Some people look really good with that. Um, other people look strange. Exactly. And so the idea is you can perform the exact same operation. It just doesn't look quite right. Um, and that's you know, where you get into some ethical issues too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Somebody comes in and says, make me look like this. And you're like, well, I don't think that's going to look really good. And you're mm-hmm. stuck between a rock and a hard place. Well, the computer said you should do this. And you say, well, I don't think it's a good idea. And there's, there's so many, I mean, this is just the way, way, way beginning of all this. And that's why I'm in, hopefully in, in six months or a year, we'll talk about it again. And there's new papers that are being published in all our journals regarding using AI in, in cosmetic medicine and in just plastic surgery in general. Um, I do think it's the beginning, but it's very, very exciting in a lot of ways. Yeah, this is just the, the tip of the iceberg here. I think um, as... You know, the, the it would be interesting to see what happens. I think that, um, you know, right now, if we throw everybody's face in a database and you say, all right, you know, let's make uh, an aesthetically pleasing face and, and, and they're trying to match it to yours. Yeah, you know, that could be very strange. It would be interesting to see, let's say you submitted 20 photos on an annual, you know, f- for the last 20 years, you've submitted an annual photo and then it tells you, okay, this is how you get back to this particular area. That's I mean, smart. I, it would be interesting to see. Um, I just think we're we're still a long ways off from that. So. See, that would be genius, actually, if you think about it. So think about if you start taking pictures of yourself in a, in a Vectra-type machine, let's say, starting when you're 18, and you continually do this, and the practitioner that you go to continually does this and evaluates it on a yearly basis and sees where you're aging Mm -hmm. or how you're aging and then combats it with the tools that they have whether it's lasers or fillers or injectables or surgery to try to keep you looking as close to what you looked like as you age Mm -hmm. and i think that way we are just crushing it it would be amazing because you're just keeping you know and we know these are things that aren't we know facial aging we've we've done studies on it um we see how the the fat pads on the face descend and how we we get jowls or we get nasolabial folds we know all this stuff it's just a matter of now imagine if you could use a computer based on just your own face on how to combat it Mm -hmm. um i think that would be using computer technology to its maximum um, to keep yourself naturally looking very young. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, it's still that conundrum of, but the tissue changes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even if we were able to volumize, um, you know, and, and get you right back to where you were 20 years ago, the tissue is going to respond differently. So I still think it's going to be an issue. I mean, you know, what do you do for bone resorption? So that's you when, know, that's I mean, when that's, you actually have, AI mixed with regenerative medicine. Mm. So you find ways to to use regenerative medicine in the aesthetic field. So you know everyone talks about taking stem cells and injecting them into their joints because they're having joint pain or you know or injecting it into to muscle or, or tendons when they're torn. Well, imagine if we find a way to use regenerative medicine and AI mixed then we've got the holy grail, at least in aesthetics. We can't fix everything else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I I mean, listen, I think I'm I'm excited to see what is going to happen. Um, There's a part of me that's a little scared. Sure, absolutely. Because we tend to 
you know, use something for, you know, something good for something that's not good. Uh, you know, we, we tend to do that uh, quite frequently as humans. Um, and I think that uh, the, the positives will be that we can bring the inexperienced injectors closer to where they need to be. Um, you know, uh, although at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, when you used to have to memorize everybody's phone number and now, you know, no one knows anyone's phone number. That's why they say 10,000 hours, you know, yep. to become an expert in something, you need to do something for 10,000 hours, the same thing for 10,000 hours. Mm. And then you're truly an expert. Well, now if you've got the computer spitting everything out for you, you're not learning everything yourself. So I think the generation of, of, of physicians to come they may be one of two things. They may be the smartest of all time because they're using computer technology and actually absorbing it, or they may be the laziest of all time, whereas they just are walking around with an iPad. I remember being a medical student and you had that, uh, you had little, what are they called? Those, those, I don't even remember oh, what they were yes. called. Oh um, and you would gosh. go on there and you'd put different applications. on. I'm aging myself, but yes. med school was uh, 98. So, and you would put it in like the pharmacopoeia. Instead of carrying around a book, you just put in the, the and it was great because it gave you all of the, Quick the counteract, counterindications or, you know, all the, all the different interactions for medications. It was fantastic. Now, the same things out there for diagnoses, you don't have to think anymore. You just throw in a bunch of symptoms and they say, okay, this person's got lupus or whatever it is. So it does change the way uh, I think doctors are going to be. I mean, I, I come from, from, from a couple of docs in the family. I just remember my grandfather, when they made everything computers at Cedars, he's like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Everything for him was he was a diagnostician. He put his hands on you. He listened to your belly. He listened to your heart. People don't do that anymore. And is it better or worse? I don't know. I really, really don't know. Mm. Um, because if you really think about it, obviously computers are much smarter than humans. They are. Um, but there it's, is a downside. Um, and I'm a little worried that, you know, all these people that we trained with, I mean, think about all the radiologists we know. Think about, all, are they going to be done? Are they going to be obsolete? Or are they going to double check the computer's work now? Or is it going to be vice versa? And I think this AI is going to be in so many ways, like you talked about. I mean, they're making art that's just as nice as any artist. They're doing everything's being done that's just as good. It makes you worry that the human race is going to fail and be taken completely taken over by computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terminator all over again. Exactly. Know? So. Well, listen, um, you know, I'm excited to see what uh, comes up here in the future. We'll keep you posted with some of the things that are happening in our, uh, our neck of the woods and, and uh, with some of the new emerging technologies. Um, obviously, I do think that virtual uh, imaging is extremely beneficial and important. We'll see, you know, this is going, AI will be the next level, taking that virtual and uh, trying to apply it to make you the best version of yourself. Uh, we'll see if that's going to be a thing of the uh, near future or if it's still a little sci-fi. So um, I hope you guys have uh, had an interesting time listening today. Uh, definitely keep sending us your questions and uh, your feedback. We definitely appreciate that. 
um, and, and stay tuned for uh, from some up and coming uh, guests as well as uh, some newer content. So once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payment Daniel Poor. Just so that you guys know, we're not going anywhere for right now. Computers aren't taking over. <laughs> um, it's been a pleasure. You can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.